Digital Marketing Radio, episode 261. How agencies can increase client performance, decrease churn, and stabilize their revenue. Digital Marketing Radio with David Bain. Hi, I'm David Bain, and this is Digital Marketing Radio, the podcast and YouTube show for in-house agency and entrepreneurial marketers who want to stay on top of the latest tools, tactics, and trends, as shared by today's modern marketing masters. Do you run or might you be running or planning on running a marketing agency? If so, you're probably experienced or you're going to experience clients coming and going and revenue going up and down. In this episode 261 of Digital Marketing Radio, we're going to be looking at why clients leave and why revenue isn't as stable as you'd like and how to fix it. Joining me to discuss that is the co-founder of a marketing platform designed especially to help agencies thrive. He is the CEO of High Level. Welcome to DMR, Sean Clark. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Sean. Um, so you can find Sean over at gohighlevel.com. So you must have um, seen, you must see so many agencies, and I guess you see a typical trend in the challenges that agencies are facing. What are maybe some of the biggest challenges that you're seeing agencies face at the moment, Sean? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we, we work with about 11,000 agencies now on the platform, and I've talked to at least a couple thousand of them over the last three and a half years. And I would say that scaling and churn reduction are always the two hot topics for most agencies I talk I talk to. So I would say those are the the two dominant trends that uh, th- that we discuss all the time. So how about starting with churn redu- reduction then? Because um, that that's possibly a challenge for maybe all types of agencies, but agencies that that are starting off uh, because perhaps someone is is gathering six, ten, twelve their first clients and things are going quite well, and then all of a sudden people start leaving them. So so what are maybe some of the typical reasons that a client leaves uh, an agency? Yeah, sure. So I think that there's a lot of debate around this topic and people like to talk about it from a really logical standpoint. So um, because it seems like it makes sense. So they would say, well, you know, uh, they're probably leaving because you're not, you know, meeting with them enough or you're not um, showing them enough results or, you know, those sorts of things. It's sort of it's a communication solution that I often hear. And I don't think that there's not some validity to that. Don't get me wrong. But I also think that at some point, most agencies are serving a small business. And that small business has a psychological hang up around simple things like price point. So, you know, the traditional agencies that we work with are, are running retainer models and, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, for $3,000 a month or $1,500 a month plus ad spend, I can do this, that, and the other thing. And the reality is, is that I, I think that most of them do exactly what they promise, but I think most small business owners don't have the time to sit down and really crunch the numbers, look at the data, understand that these leads became, you know, went through this stage of the pipeline and this many of them walked in the door, which got them this much ROI. I just don't think that they have that kind of time. I think it's like they, they come out, they come up for air once a month. They look at the bills they're paying and they say, Oh, $3,000. That's expensive. What are we getting for that? I don't know. Let's just go ahead and pause that. And then we'll think about it later. And it's just a very quick psychological snap decision. And I think it makes the agency, it means the agency loses their customer. And I think that ultimately um, that te- I think that psychology is at the root of why most people lose a customer. Almost, so does that almost, mean almost always? <laughs> d- does that mean that not enough agencies are 
building decent relationships with enough people within organizations. So when someone moves on, or perhaps they haven't had the the quantity and regularity of communication from you, then they don't immediately, they can't immediately articulate the value to other people internally within the company. And, and, and that, that's the reason that someone moves on. Well, I mean, I think you, I mean, I think, I think the answer is maybe. Right. I mean, I still think that, again, think about the traditional small business that you're serving. The dentist's office may or may not have a person within the organization who is, has time to sit down and even get to know you or because you've probably sold to the dentist themselves, for example. Right. And it's, you know, generally in most small businesses, the, the owner is also at, at some level, if not completely, the operator <laughs> and they're the generator of the revenue. And so how much time do they have to be sitting down and going over all kinds of, of, of data with you or information with you. I honestly think that their time is very limited. So even for agencies that try very hard to keep a, a regular cadence, it may have very little to do with the agency. Again, it may have to do with the businesses that they serve. And, and honestly, again, their appetite or ability to continuously pay a large recurring fee to someone for a service. In fact, I always ask people, name me a service that a small business pays that amount of money for every single month consistently over a very long period of time. And I think there are very few examples, if any, that where a, a small business traditionally would pay that kind of money. And so as a result, I think that's a very high hill, hill to climb for the average agency. So do agencies then have to either accept that clients are only going to stay for X amount of time, or are they going after the wrong clients and do they have to go after different clients? I think I think neither I think I think yes and no. So I think that in reality the, the the broader answer is they need to expand the portfolio of the solutions that they're providing and I think those solutions need to model after other things that those business owners do pay for for many 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 years um versus just simply relying only on services in order to continue to work with those people. Because I think many of those customers are incredibly durable businesses. So if you look behind the business itself and say, okay, well, after they leave the agency, does that business go on then again for, you know, do they continue to operate for five years, 10 years? And I think the answer is invariably, yes, they do. Um, I, I don't think, again, it is it is the fact that they've chosen the quote unquote wrong customer. Um, I, I think there is just an inevitable variability to a small business's appetite and ability to consistently pay for recurring revenue services at that price point. It's just that simple. So I'm seeing quite a few agencies specialise in terms of the services that they offer. There are quite a few agencies that just focus on, for example, Facebook advertising. Is is that mm -hmm. inherently a, a poor business model for the long term? A terrible business model, um, but also a very predictable business model. Because if you're a newer agency or you're getting into, and you want to become an agency, it, it sounds really uh, straightforward. And and hey, you know what? We're going to teach you one thing. You're going to sell it to one vertical. You're going to get really specialized in it. I think from the outset, it feels like, yeah, that ought to work, right? But if you put yourself in the shoes of the business owner, they don't know what a, you know. They don't know what Facebook ads are versus Google ads versus SEO versus. They don't know any of that stuff. They just know they need digital marketing, and they're looking for someone who can help them with that. And I think that if you pigeon your whole yourself into one service, then you're you're asking for yourself to be easily replaceable. It's kind of like saying. I run a bank, but all we do is have checking accounts. So if you need savings or a mortgage or a car loan, go someplace else. Well, you're invariably going to lose that client. But the challenge, right, is it's easy to say that. Now, how do you execute that if you're a single owner operator? 
Ultimately, I think that what I've found is that telling somebody, hey, listen, the bigger agencies, the more established agencies, they provide a full suite of marketing services. You ought to do the same. Sounds like wonderful advice, but the execution of that is where it all goes wrong because most smaller agencies are both selling and delivering simultaneously, which is also a huge mistake on their part. So what, what they need, right, is they need something else. They need another way in order to actually solve for this because there's been white label outsourcing firms. We even have a white label outsourcing arm inside of our own uh, software platform, which I spun up to try to help agencies specifically with this issue. But at the end of the day, um, there's also the idea that let's say they do have a great resource to do Google AdWords or SEO or something like that. They still also have to learn how to sell those products. And oftentimes that's a big hill to climb for them. So again, I can say, oh yeah, just do all the services, but getting to that point is incredibly challenging. Okay, so you can start off by offering a single service, but ideally you're going to have a portfolio of services to, to keep clients interested over the long term. What about the type of clients that you're trying to attract? Is it reasonable to just focus in on one particular type of client, maybe legal sector in the UK or uh, builders in the US, just, just one particular type of client? Well, actually, before I get before I get to that, let's go back to that last topic. So okay. I would actually say that's not the answer. The answer isn't to add a full breadth of services. Yeah, maybe eventually. But initially, I think agencies need to start offering technology. I think that if you look at what businesses consistently buy and pay for every month, month after month after month, are software products. They're incredibly sticky. They're very they're a lower price point. And they and they're and they're all automated and they're very scalable. So there are a lot of small business software products out there today that businesses will buy, and they are going to pay three hundred dollars a month for that product, six hundred dollars a month for that product, and they're going to use it for ten years. And there's very little labor involved. But the most important thing is back to the price point issue. The business says, "Oh yeah, you know, we got one sale off of that. Hey, it was three hundred dollars. We'll take it. That's a consistent price I can pay." I don't have to worry about it. It doesn't rise to the very top of my expenses list, and it's very unlikely to get cut. And so I think the way agencies need to create durability ultimately in their practice is to be to, to introduce technology products that can be recurring in revenue and that allow them to lose, lose and gain services over time with their customers without completely losing the customer and losing any revenue from that customer. Okay. So I was just um, interviewing Ollie Gardner for the previous episode, episode 260, and he was sharing that Bubble.io was a platform that he was just getting into, a platform that let him develop software, develop little apps, applets for within web pages as well. So it's becoming easier, certainly, to build your own software nowadays. Does, does that mean that um, as an agency, on average, your price point should be lower and you should be looking at having quite a high number of clients? I would say that you should think about this as adding another tool to your bag. Um, and I would highly recommend against trying to build your own software. So I'm sure that it's easier than it's ever been. Um, but in reality, you can't do everything. You can't write software, sell services, fulfill Facebook ads. You can't, you can't do all of these things. What you need to do is you need to find a platform that allows you to take those critical tools that the business needs that are already in existence today and just simply be able to sell them to your client, hopefully on a white label basis. So that way your brand can be the brand that that client sees every single day, not only as they use your services, but also as they use the software that you've brought them that they can now use in their uh, their businesses to really do all of the digital sort of things that they need to do on a go forward basis. Things like two-way text messaging with their clients, getting more Google reviews, 
um, you know, web chat, all of those sorts of functionalities that every small business is going to have five years from now, that they really ought to be buying it from the agency. Okay. Okay. So software, that's an important part of the future offering for you as an agency. What about other aspects of what you can offer as an agency? What about training? What about consultancy? Is that becoming more common or less common nowadays? I mean, I, I hear about it. I mean, I think it's agency to agency, right? So I think it's something that uh, that you can absolutely offer. Um, when, when we look at the big issue, though, it's, I mean, <clears throat> there's certainly people who probably need sales consulting and maybe a lot but the, the big gap is not in the, generally speaking, if I can put someone in the dentist's office, the dentist tends to do a decent job converting them to a patient. If they're that horrible, they probably didn't get to the stage where they could afford to hire an agency, right? And so I ultimately find that the lead nurturing is where, is where most businesses fall down. The agency is generating a lead. They're putting it on a spreadsheet. They're saying, hey, Mr. Customer, look at the amazing lead I got you. And the customer will look back at them and say, what are you talking about? They didn't come into my, my business. They didn't meet with me. They didn't buy my stuff. I don't understand. And then the agency's like, oh, well, you know, you have to like call them and you have to like ask them to come in and stuff. It's, you know, like you have to follow up. And the business owner's like, I don't want that. I want customers, not leads, right? Mm. And ultimately, we feel like that is actually the bigger focus for most agencies. It's that lead nurturing process where the, most of their customers are going to fall down. And when they do fall down, they don't blame themselves. They blame the agency. And I see this is where agencies lose their customers all the time. What about agencies that don't focus on things that result in immediate lead generations? I'm thinking of different types of content marketing, higher up the funnel, um, justifying the value on that. Um, how should a business or an agency go about pitching the value of doing that without being able to drive immediate leads from, from what they're doing? I think they should rethink their long-term strategy. Um, why is a business what I what I want again? What I see is as a small business, and this is probably different if you're Ford Motor Company or something, right? But if you're an if you're an operating business, at the end of the day, what you're looking for is a marketing partner that can holistically serve your needs. And at, and, and as cool as it is to have blog entries or social media posts or something else, it should result in something. And as an agency, if you can't tie your work to some kind of ultimate revenue line. For that small business, I think you're you have a de minimis value over time. I think you may have the greatest content writing skills of all time, but if you can't prove to your customer that your your items that you're working on actually result in more business, what's the point of hiring you anyways? I don't need more blog articles. I need more customers. So you were telling me before we got started that you, you've appeared on over a hundred different podcasts. I think. How do you well, measure? That was, that, was, that, was, that was an estimate, but <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No, but it's still, it's still a big number, roughly that. Just to be honest. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I mean, even if it's um, you know forty or, or whatever it is, um, you, sure. you've obviously seen a positive reason for, for for wanting to do that. How do you measure mm -hmm. the the success of it? How do you measure the value of doing that? Sure. I mean, we look at the traffic that we get from those podcasts, right? So we look at the number of people who click links that we. Uh, leave with those podcast hosts and um, look at the number of people who come in from those lead sources and try to measure those. So we definitely do our, do our level best to, to measure them. But uh, I would say that in in our in our case, we we don't we don't pay a tremendous amount for the podcast, so the so the cost of entry is low. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, um, but obviously your 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 time's important as well, and um, certainly as a uh, if you're a small business owner, you, you've got to make sure that um, you're being as valuable as possible with your time. And obviously, you're absolutely t- talking about lead generation. Um, yeah. appearing on podcasts is a little bit further up the funnel, so that's why I, I guess I was leading into that one there as oh, well. Absolutely, I, I know exactly where you're going with that one. But as a small, but think about most small businesses, right? So, you know, if you look at how many of them are, let's say, are are at that place at that stage where those top of funnel activities are actually beneficial relative to what they're already doing. So how many of them have already have a really great Google My Business optimization that's already been done? They're running local service ads. They're running Google AdWords. They're landing people on a good funnel. They have automated lead nurturing in place. Like how many of them have already covered those bases? And now they're going top of funnel for, you know, like more content driven strategies. I just don't think that's the commonplace scenario. I think most of these businesses, if you take took a look, you know, I, I are not honestly doing any of those things up front or, or very few of those things up front. And that's really where they need the help the most. If they did some of those most basic activities, their return on investment would be tremendous relative to some of the other content strategies. They're just not there yet is the thing. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, if someone concentrates on something like SEO, then you can drive lots of traffic to your website. But if it doesn't convert, there's, there's no point in doing it at all. So start off with your website, yeah, your absolutely. funnel. Your- and I don't think it's that difficult, by the way. If you're in, the, Let's say you're in the SEO game and you're, you're ranking websites. It's not that hard to then take a platform um, and, like High Level and put a form on a website, be able to show that that, not, that, that person then converted put them into the system, automatically nurture the lead, and then book them using AI and machine learning on a calendar for your customer and say, hey, listen, you're ranked number two. You got this much traffic. We captured these leads for you. And then they booked on your calendar. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Like, that's what your customer wants. That's what you need to deliver. I'd like to get your thoughts on one other phrase that's commonly used at the moment, and that is a productized service. Should agencies be looking to do that? Or... Can it be more fruitful financially by just focusing in on bespoke offers, not having pricing on your website? Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends. I mean, I, I, obviously, I come at this with a very biased view. I mean, I think that if I think that the software can very much be the backbone of your recurring revenue model, right? Uh, from where you know where we're at today, we see agencies bringing in you know ten to a hundred thousand dollars a month in recurring software revenue, in addition to the services that they come out with. Right. And so in that case, I almost think that's not a bad business to be in. So if you want to go bespoke because you really like it, I would say go for it. Um, I think it it all depends on also how you approach the market. So back to your original question on on niching out. I think that if you serve a particular vertical, there's a decent um, there's a decent opinion there to be made that what works for one attorney probably works for other attorneys. Right. And so by productizing your service, quote unquote, just basically making the same strategies turn key. That seems like a logical thing to do to me. I think that's great. Um, but I, again, even if a, if it's a productized service, I still think it comes back from, to a price point perspective. I think that helps internally from the agency perspective on cost reduction, on you know speed to delivery, the, those sorts of things. But think about it from the point of view of the outside client. Do they really know it's a productized service? Not necessarily. So the question then is, how does it impact them? How do they see the ROI? And how does that impact the long-term churn dynamics? Because that's what ultimately matters, whether it's bespoke or it's productized, it's still the churn that defines your success or failure. 
I love that point. So actually view what you're doing as a productized service, whether or not you're marketing it as that publicly on your website. And that actually reminds me of the book um, E-Myth by Michael Gerber, because he talks about the franchise prototype, whether or not you're actually going to franchise your business or not. If you consider your business as a franchise and, and get everything as efficient as possible, um, that, that's probably the best way for you running your business is, is for potentially franchising it in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think those are really good ways to think about how, you know, because every business, are you are you going to sell your business someday? Or are you going to exit your business someday? And if you do, what is it going to look like to a potential buyer? Do you have a healthy recurring revenue stream that's growing every month? Or are your revenues constantly waving up and down? Because if they are, you're going to get a lot lower valuation than a consistent, durable, growing revenue stream. Is there, in relation to that, um, just before we move on to the next section, what does an agency need to do um, to better structure their business so it can be sold in the future? So I'm thinking of things like um, client contracts. Um, what's what's the ideal term and structure for them? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think that contracts can be important for sure. I mean, if you live in a world where you could pull off something like, you know, guaranteed annual contracts or biannual contracts with your customer, that would certainly help. But from a perspective buyer's scenario, you have to imagine that, that most people are not looking to buy a job, they're looking to buy a business. And the difference between the two is a business is the kind of thing that if you leave for two weeks or a month or two years, you know, reasonably speaking, you, you'll still have a business left when you return and you won't have lost your biggest client. And then over time, that recurring revenue stream at least continues, but should, should continue to grow. And so if you don't have a, re a recurring revenue stream that's fairly consistent in its upward trajectory, and again, has very low churn dynamics. Um, ultimately, that's 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 what a business looks like. Anything outside of that, and you're trying to sell a job to somebody, and they're going to see it. They're not going to want to. They're not going to want to pay a lot for that because um, most outside investors are looking for something that is an asset. You know, not not a consulting gig. Great point. Well, let's segue to part two of our discussion. So it's now time for Sean's thoughts on the state of digital marketing today. So starting off with... Secret software. So Sean, share a lesser known MarTech tool that's bringing you a lot of value at the moment and why that tool is important for you. High level, my tool. It's great. <laughs> it's bringing a ton of value for me. Um, and uh, So it's lesser known. I mean, I, I, well, I think it's lesser known. I'm certainly lesser known than many others. But I mean, I would say it's the only platform that serves digital agencies only. It's the only platform that allows digital agencies to white label uh, software out to their customers as well as replace everything that they're already using um, out in the market. And we're the only people that, again, only sell to agencies, which I think makes us incredibly unique in the market. I think there's very there's nobody of our size and our scope that only sells to agencies. And you knocked took the bat and knocked it out of the the ground there. There, there you go. There you go. Uh, if I'm I was if I was to push you to select a piece of software that you didn't own or operate yourself, what, what do you think you might choose? Oh gosh. Well, um, let me th oh well, let me think of the Martech space here. Um, I think uh, one there's a guy on my team. He's using a product called Surfer SEO, which okay. um, he really loves because it allows him and the and the team to. We're just now getting into blogging, and uh, it, it allows them to score their their WordPress uh, entries and to make sure that they're very SEO friendly. So I think um, he would he would love me to shout that one out. I think he really likes that tool a lot. Great. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Um, so let's move on from something you currently use to something that you're going to use. So that is next on the list. So what's one marketing activity or tool that you haven't tried yet, but you want to test soon? Yeah, sure. Um, 
I would say that we haven't done a tremendous amount of ads to date. Um, and so I think as we move forward, we're going to be testing a lot more. It's kind of boring, but uh, a lot more Google AdWords on our side. Um, and, you know, again, we'll feed all those leads into our own product um, and work them through our own lead nurturing. But ultimately, that I think is the big thing we're going to test out is can we can we reach the marketing community through a more traditional advertising medium and find good ROI success there? So that's for us, that's we haven't we haven't really run ads to date. So. That's kind of our next venture. So you've been fairly successful to date. So yep. what has been your primary way to drive awareness so far? Word of mouth. Okay. Uh, word of mouth well, using it's, it's, using LinkedIn uh, just, or traditional networking? Oh, no, so, I mean, no, no. So we, I mean, we have, a, um, we have our, a 40% recurring affiliate commission program that we run. And we, uh, and, as, and we do it, we sort of think about it like this, you know, if you come in and use our product, we think, we're, we think our product's amazing and we think it's uh, a great replacement for um, pretty much any of the major marketing uh, platforms out there. And if you agree with us and you like it and you have a couple of friends, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll recommend that they come in. And if you do, we'll, we'll pay you 40% recurring commission every month for the life of, of that, of their usage. And so um, it's all been through incentivized word of mouth. So absolutely superb. Great to hear. Okay, well, let's move on to the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions, just two rules Uh-oh. here. Try not to think <laughs> about the answer too much. And you're only okay. allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So use it wisely. Are you ready? I'm going to try. TikTok or Twitter? Twitter. Facebook or LinkedIn? Facebook. YouTube or podcast? YouTube. Traffic or leads? Leads. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Ads or influencers? Influencers. Google ads or Facebook ads? Facebook ads. Email marketing or chat marketing? (laughs) Uh, Email marketing. Martech stack or all-in-one platform? All-in-one platform. One-to-one or scale? Scale. Relatively easy. I, I think the only one that jumped out at me was actually YouTube or podcast. You choose YouTube, but obviously we're talking about podcasting a bit as well. Are, are you actively <laughs> f- focusing in on YouTube? Is that successful for you? You know what? It's. Uh, I mean, it's just funny because we didn't we didn't really think about focusing in on anything. We're. I mean, I'm a software engineer by trade, so I'm not a marketer at all. Um, and so it's just funny because we just started putting all of our videos up on YouTube because uh, people would ask, oh, you know, do you have a video about this or a video about that? And, you know, we look back now and, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, it's not huge. It's 8,000 subscribers, but um, we'll take it. And we get a lot of, uh, we get a lot of really good um, guests on there. We, start, we started interviewing people and things. And so it's just amazing to me how impactful YouTube has become um, without really honestly knowing it or thinking about it or trying it. It just sort of popped out. Okay, okay. And 8,000 is a decent number, certainly. And it, it's a great place to really get traction from. <laughs> Have you tried uploading, uploading your, your videos elsewhere, uh, Facebook or, or LinkedIn? Do, do, do yeah, you upload so snippets? I think we do it now everywhere. I think, I think we even have a podcast. I think we take, so we have these cool things called spotlight sessions where we interview some of the you know, brightest minds in marketing. And we literally um, 
put it on. Now we put it everywhere, right? I think that's the rule. You just put it on YouTube. You put it on. Uh, you put it out on, you know, uh, as a podcast, you put it out on Twitter. So I think we put it out everywhere these days. Yeah. I mean, I've been experimenting with, with doing it lots of different ways at the moment. Um, I'm, um, live streaming on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um, primarily because it's it's also a lot of efforts just to <laughs> publish it as a podcast and on YouTube. And then what you have to do is create snippets to publish on LinkedIn and elsewhere. And the only way that you're going to be able to publish lengthy videos on somewhere like Twitter or LinkedIn is by live streaming it instead of actually breaking oh, up okay. and spending time doing that. That's a, that's a good That's a good trick. I'll have to pass <laughs> that on to my content team. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, but then you can also, um, when you're live streaming, um, make sure that you refer to any resources or people that are mentioned as part of the live stream as well. So it gives them the heads up. Then they're going to check it out as well and hopefully gets a few oh, more. Oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> relevant eyeballs in it. Yeah. That's a great idea. That makes total sense. <laughs> we're, 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 we're turning the, uh, the interview around. So <laughs> um, before you start <laughs> asking me any questions on that, um, I'm going to move on to the $10,000 question. If I were to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Probably Facebook ads, and I would measure it in how many new free trial signups we got. Okay. Um, so Facebook ads, I've, I've been experimenting with that um, a bit as well. And obviously, people tend to engage with content just very briefly on Facebook. So I've found that it, it tends to be best if you um, do videos and, and, and do maybe general content to begin with and then retarget ads to people who have watched your content to drive them back to your mm -hmm. website to, to use a two-step approach. Do you use a similar approach to that or, or some yeah, other way? Yeah, retargeting, I think it's been super important. So yeah, I think the idea is to, yeah, you know, to try to get some interest, get them to, to click, cookie them and then yeah just retarget the heck out of them because ultimately you know it is about trying to bring them back um several times um you know uh, and for us you know we also have a have a crowd that tends to operate and, and exist on facebook quite a bit and so we're because we have that sort of digital first native customer um I, I, that tends to be their their main spot so yeah it's a, it's a good place to to reach them Great stuff. Okay. Well, magical marketer. To finish off, let's f uh, shift the focus to someone else who deserves it. So, who's an up and coming marketer that you'd like to give a shout out to? What can we learn from them and where can we find them? Oh, my goodness. Um, yes. So, uh, there is a, a gentleman by the name of Qasim Aslam. Um, he is a Google AdWords expert and uh, he, he is actually. Uh, he, he reached out to me randomly one day. I've never, I never met the guy and he's like, Hey, I just want to show you something super cool on AdWords. And, and he showed me how, and I don't even know how this works, actually how to target people who are logging into other software products that we compete with. And you can actually run Google ads, uh, at those people and it just blew me away. And, and he, he, he does, you know, many more things and, and is, is an incredible marketer, uh, that way. But I just was, I, I've been in the world of AdWords for 15 years and I'd never seen anything quite so cool. So I was, I was very impressed. Yeah, I'd be keen to find out how that worked. I, I mean, I'm just thinking of well, the top of my See, head. Wouldn't, is, wouldn't anybody? Yeah, exactly. You should, you should have him on your show. He's, he's, a, he's a really good marketer. It's, I, I always love this stuff because, again, I'm a software engineer. I don't know really anything about marketing, but I, uh, but I always love to watch other people work and, and learn something new. So it's really cool to, to meet people like that. Well, I love this section as a great way to get introduced to other great marketers to 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 be on the show potentially as well. But um, it's it's a great way to refer to people as well um, because obviously the I, I mentioned 
as part of the live stream, I mention resources that have been mentioned during the show. And that includes Secret Software and the Magical Marketer. Um, and they're, they're great resources to mention to bring additional eyeballs. So um, there you have it. Surfer SEO, Kasim Aslam, any other resource that's been mentioned if you're watching the show because of that, thank you for, for, for watching on. So there we go. This was episode 261 of Digital Marketing Radio, where Sean Clark from High Level shared some great tips uh, about owning and operating an efficient agency, including offer software. Don't just focus on your services to begin with. Um, perhaps you may have a productized service, but you don't necessarily have to offer that publicly, but you should be defining how costly your service takes to operate and making sure that everything you do is efficient and makes you profit. And also people don't want to buy a job. Um, if you're structuring your agency to sell it, make sure you're actually offering people the opportunity to buy a business instead of a job. Your secret software was of course high level and you also gave Surfer SEO a mention as well. And you're focusing more in on ads as you're next on the list. And you finished up uh, by saying that your magical marketer was Kasim Aslam, a Google ads expert. So. Um, I'll have a good look into that and ensure that um, everything that you mentioned is in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. Sean, what, what is the best social platform for someone to follow you and to say hi? Definitely Facebook. Uh, you know, just reach out, reach out to us there or reach out to me over Facebook Messenger or what have you. It'd be always happy. Always ha Superb. Okay, well, I'll also make sure that uh, I include that in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. I've been your host, David Bain. You can also find me producing podcasts and YouTube shows for BTB brands over at castingcred.com. Until we meet again, stay hungry, stay foolish, and stay subscribed. Aloha. DigitalMarketingRadio.com DigitalMarketingRadio.com DigitalMarketingRadio DigitalMarketingRadio DigitalMarketingRadio.com digital